0: in here. This will be a special edition of my radio show. Well, they all are, but you get the drift. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Independence Day is Monday, July 4th. Most people know that because it's a federal holiday. But it's an important day. And even though it's not Friday, it is Thursday... Even though it's not July 4th, I want to take a little bit of time talking about this with you, giving you a little bit of information that I doubt, I doubt many of you have ever been exposed to. Let's start this way. 1776, the 4th of July, didn't just happen all of a sudden. It wasn't an impetuous act, as they point out in History.com. Thirteen colonies banding together, first twelve, then the 13th, Rhode Island, to fight and win a war of independence against the crown was a culmination of a series of events, which had begun more than a decade earlier. Escalations began shortly after the end of the French and Indian War, Known elsewhere as the Seven Years' War in 1763. Here are a few of the main events that took place, although not all of them. The Stamp Act of 1765. To recoup some of the massive debt left over from the war with France, the British Parliament passed laws... Such as the Stamp Act, which for the first time taxed a wide range of transactions in the colonies. Up until then, each colony had its own government, which decided which taxes they would have and collected them. Says William Randall, professor emeritus, history, Chaplin college, author of numerous works on the early history. They felt that they'd spent a, spent a lot of blood and treasure to protect the colonists from the Indians, and they should pay their fair share. That was the British view. The colonists didn't see it that way. They resented not only having to buy goods from the British, but pay tax on them as well. The tax never got collected because there were riots all over the place, Randall says. Ultimately, Benjamin Franklin convinced the British to rescind it. But that only made things worse that made the Americans think they could push back against other acts of the crown. Sometime later, two years later in fact, the Townsend Acts, Parliament again tried to assert its authority by passing legislation to tax goods that the Americans imported from Great Britain. The crown established a board of customs, commissioners, to stop smuggling and corruption among local officials in the colonies, who were often in on illicit trade. Americans struck back by organizing a boycott of the British goods that were subject to taxation and began harassing the British custom commissioners. And in an effort to quell the resistance, the British sent troops to occupy Boston, which only deepened the ill feeling. The Boston Massacre, three years later, 1770, simmering tensions between the British occupiers and the Boston residents boiled over one late afternoon when a disagreement between an apprentice, wig maker, and a British soldier led to a crowd of 200 colonists surrounding seven British troops. When the Americans began taunting the troops and allegedly throwing things at them, the soldiers apparently lost their cool and began firing recklessly into the crowd as the smoke cleared three men including an African American sailor named Crispus Attucks were dead two others were mortally wounded the massacre became a tool for the colonists especially after Paul Revere distributed an engraving that misleadingly depicted the British as the aggressors the Boston Tea Party 1773 the British eventually withdrew forces from Boston and repealed much of the onerous Townsend legislation. But they left in place the tax on tea and in 1773 enacted a new law, the Tea Act, to prop up the financially struggling British East Indian Company. And that act gave the company extended favorable treatment under tax regulations so it could sell tea at a price that undercut American merchants who imported tea from elsewhere. That didn't sit well with Americans. They didn't want the British telling them that they had to buy their tea. The Americans wanted to be able to trade with any country they wanted. The Sons of Liberty, which would be headed by somebody you may have heard of, Sam Adams, decided to confront the British head-on. Thinly disguised as Mohawks, they boarded three ships in Boston Harbor, destroyed more than 92,000 pounds... (laughs) a British tea, by dumping it into the arbor. They didn't have an EPA back then. To make the point that they were rebels rather than vandals, they avoided harming any of the crew or damaging the ships themselves. The next day, they even replaced a padlock that had been broken. But the act of defiance ticked off the British government. Many of the East Indian Company shareholders were members of Parliament. They each had paid a thousand pounds sterling a million dollars in today's money for a share of the company to get a piece of the action from all this tea that they were going to force down the throats of the colonists so when these bottom of the rung people in boston destroyed their tea that was a serious thing to them then the parliament passed a year later the coercive acts so you could see is this is building the response to the boston tea party the British government decided it had to tame the rebellious colonists in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. In the spring of 1774, Parliament passed a series of laws, the Coercive Acts, which closed Boston Harbor until restitution was paid by the destroyed tea, replaced the colony's elected council with one appointed by the British, gave sweeping powers to the British military governor, General Thomas Gage, and forbade town meetings without approval. Yet another provision protected British colonial officials who were charged with capital offenses from being tried in Massachusetts, instead requiring they be sent to another colony or back to Britain for trial. By the way, one of the members of Parliament who objected to the way the colonists were being treated was a gentleman you may have heard of called Edmund Burke. He didn't think the Parliament and the King should be tightening the screws against the American colonists. But perhaps the most provocative provision was the Quartering Act, which allowed British military officials to demand accommodations for their troops in unoccupied houses and buildings, rather than having to stay out in the countryside. Well, it didn't force the colonists to board troops in their own homes, they had to pay for the expense of housing and feeding the soldiers who were occupying their town. The courting of troops eventually became one of the grievances incited in the Declaration of Independence. April 1775, April 8th to be precise, Lexington and Concord. British General Thomas Gage led a force of British soldiers from Boston to Lexington 5 a.m. in the morning, I might add, where he planned to capture colonial radical leaders Sam Adams and John Hancock. And it, they don't add it here, but also to disarm the colonists and then head to Concord and seize their gunpowder. But American spies got wind of the plan with the help of riders such as Paul Revere, word spread to be ready for the British. That's the famous midnight ride, and he was not the only one. But they needed to get to Adams and Hancock and get him the heck out of Lexington, which is exactly what they did. On Lexington Common, the British force was confronted by 77 American militiamen. They began shooting at each other. Seven Americans died, but other militiamen managed to stop the British at Concord and continued to harass them on the retreat back to Boston. The British lost 73 dead with another 174 wounded and 26 missing in action. And the bloody encounter proved to the British that the colonists were fearsome foes who had to be taken seriously. And so you had the Battle of Lexington at 5 a.m. in the morning, and as the British were pulling back into Concord, that was about 8 a.m. the same morning, they were beaten at Lexington and they were beaten at Concord. Concord. The British attacks on coastal towns, though the Revolutionary War's hostility started with Lexington and Concord. It was unclear whether the Southern colonies, whose interests didn't necessarily align with the Northern colonies, would, would be all in for a war of independence. The Southerners were totally dependent upon the British to buy their crops, particularly their cotton, and they didn't trust the Yankees up north anyway. And in, in New England, the Puritans thought the Southerners were lazy. But that was before the brutal British naval bombardments and burning of the coastal towns of Falmouth, Massachusetts, Norfolk, Virginia, and helped to unify the colonies. In Falmouth, where townspeople had to grab their possessions and flee for their lives, the northerners had to face up to the fear that the British would do whatever they wanted them to do and do whatever they had to do to defeat the colonists. Soon thereafter, there was the battle of Bunker Hill, actually Breed's Hill within Bunker Hill, where the British sent in more forces, three weeks after Concord. The American militia, that is the American colonists, were trying to prepare for what they knew was coming the day before the attack. And they dug in at Breed's Hill, which is part of Bunkers Hill. About two and a half to three weeks before that battle, a letter was written to the New York Assembly, effectively begging New York for gunpowder. Among those who signed it was Joseph Warren, Three men signed it, including Joseph Warren. Joseph Warren was considered the number one revolutionary in Boston. He was a renowned doctor. He was in his mid 30s. And he was the leading revolutionary. He and Sam Adams and later John Hancock and Paul Revere and so forth. Most of you know of him from me. Otherwise, he's mostly unknown. But he had a crucial role in the earliest days, it was far better known than Jefferson, Washington, or all the rest. And he was a marked man. The British wanted him dead. About three weeks after Concord, the British decided to send more troops to quell the colonists. They dig in, the Minutemen and other militia at Breed's Hill. The British charge up the hill. They take many casualties. They're forced back. They charge up the hill the second time. They take more casualties and they're pushed back. They charged up the hill the third time. And the colonists ran out of gunpowder. Hand-to-hand combat on the front lines. General Powell, excuse me, General Page, told the colonists to pull back. Many on the front line refused hand-to-hand combat. Among them, Joseph Warren. But they couldn't possibly win. One of the senior officers for the British walked up to Joseph Warren and shot him between the eyes. When the battle was over, they chopped his body up into pieces. They urinated on it. They covered it with dirt. Later, Paul Revere and others would search for the body and they would find it. Because Paul Revere, a silversmith, had made one of the false teeth in the mouth of Joseph Warren and he recognized it more when I return Mark Levin To get your free subscription, go to levinfrahillsdale.com right now. L-E-V-I-N for About a month after the first shots were fired at Lexington and Kentucky, the Second Continental Congress met inside Independence Hall in Philadelphia. That was the Pennsylvania Assembly House as they were concerned and decided they needed to prepare for war. They established a Continental Army and elected George Washington as the Commander-in-Chief. They also drafted the Olive Branch Petition, it was called, and sent it to King George, that's George III, in hopes of reaching a peaceful resolution. The king refused to hear the petition and declared the American colonies in revolt. So what did the Continental Congress, the Second Continental Congress, do after that? I'll explain after the break. We'll be right back. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why in Primus Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. In Primus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, In Primus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today. At absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. L-E-V-I-N for hillsdale.com. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. Having rejected even here the uh, the Olive Branch Petition from the colonists, the colonists would meet on in June 1776. Virginia delegate Richard Henry Lee put forth the resolution for independence. Resolved that these United Colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. But voting was postponed while some of the delegates worked to convince others to support independence. But a committee of five men was assigned to draft a document of independence. John Adams of Massachusetts. Benjamin Franklin of Pennsylvania. Thomas Jefferson of Virginia. Roger Sherman of Connecticut. And Robert Livingston of New York. As you know, Jefferson did most of the work. Drafting the original document in his lodgings at 7th and Market Street. The building's no longer there. And without getting into every aspect of this, on July 2, 1776, that Second Continental Congress voted to adopt Lee's resolution for independence. This is the day that John Adams thought should be celebrated, which would be Saturday this this year, with pomp and parade How do we know? Because that's what he wrote to Abigail Adams on July 3rd, 1776. But between July 2nd and July 4th, Congress argued over every word in Jefferson's draft of the Declaration, making a number of changes. Now, Jefferson sat in the back and was fuming while his document was changed. And one of the things removed from his initial draft was his condemnation of slavery and the slave trade. But the delegates from South Carolina and Georgia threatened to leave. And they knew they were already at war, and they could not afford any of the other colonies peeling off, period. Now they didn't actually sign the document that day. After New York's delegates received instructions from home to vote for independence, they'd initially abstained. The document was sent to Timothy Matlack to be engrossed, that is handwritten. 50 of the 56 delegates signed the engrossed Declaration of Independence inside Independence Hall on August 2nd, 1776. August 2nd, 1776. So actually, independence was declared on July 2nd, The Declaration of Independence was adopted on July 4th. Most of the signatures occurred on August 2nd. Now, why did they write the document that they wrote? Where did Jefferson get his ideas? On June 24, 1826, In Monticello, Jefferson received a letter. In modern day terms, he was accused of copying thoughts and ideas from others. And he was invited to attend uh, the 50th anniversary of independence. But he was old and he was frail. And in fact, he would die two weeks later. And Jefferson made the point that his goal wasn't to reinvent ideas. No. His goal was to underscore and enshrine ideas. And that's exactly what he did. Jefferson's words... Were profound In fact the Congress's words were profound Jefferson Jefferson wished we should refresh our recollection of these rights from time to time and what are the words that we should refresh our recollection about When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another. to assume among the powers of earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to those opinions of mankind. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. The near universal appeal of this wording and these principles among America's founders is underscored further in other important historical documents of the period. The Virginia declaration of rights was adopted on June 12, 1776 predating the declaration of independence by a few weeks. It was principally drafted by George Mason. It would also play a significant role at the Constitutional Convention in 1787. Now, the prominence of the Virginia Declaration is indisputable, as some of its language was, in fact, borrowed by Jefferson in drafting the Declaration of Independence. In fact, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, Sam Adams, used similar language in drafting future declarations of rights and constitutions for their own states. By the way, this is in Rediscovering Americanism, my book. Section 1 of the Virginia Declaration provides that all men are by nature equally free and independent and have certain inherent rights, of which when they enter into a state of society, they cannot by any compact deprive or divest their posterity, namely the enjoyment of life and liberty, with the means of acquiring and possessing property and pursuing and obtaining happiness and safety. You can hear the overlap. The Pennsylvania Declaration of Rights, adopted on August 16, 1776, about a month and a half after the Declaration of Independence, its main author was Benjamin Franklin. It states in Section 1 that all men are born equally free and independent and have certain natural, inherent, and inalienable rights, amongst which are the enjoying and defending of life and liberty, Acquiring of possessing and protecting property. Pursuing and obtaining happiness and safety. Article 1 of the Massachusetts Declaration of Rights adopted in 1780. And whose authors included John Adams and Samuel Adams. It states, All men are born free and equal and have certain natural, essential, and unalienable rights, among which may be reckoned the right of enjoying and defending their lives and liberties, that of acquiring, possessing, or protecting property, and fine, that of seeking and obtaining their safety and happiness. But the Declaration of Independence rightly stands as the formal consensus proclamation for America's independence and founding. And after several iterations, it was adopted by the Second Continental Congress, originally convened in Philadelphia in May 1775 after the battles of Lexington and Concord. All the colonies were represented, and while most of the delegates initially opposed independence, as Congresses and treaties for peace were met with intensified British military aggression, it became clear that the colonies would have to choose their independence or subjugation. On May 8, 1825, 45, excuse me, 49 years after the adoption of the Declaration, In a letter replying to Henry Lee about the source of the ideas and language in the Declaration, this is very important, Jefferson succinctly explained, with respect to our rights and the acts of the British government contravening those rights, there was one opinion on this side of the water. All American Whigs thought alike on this subject when forced, therefore, to resort to arms for redress, An appeal to the tribunal of the world was deemed proper for our justification. This was the object of the Declaration of Independence, not to find out new principles or new arguments never before thought of, not merely to say things which had never been said before, but to put place before mankind the common sense of the subject in terms so plain and firm as to command their assent and to justify ourselves in the independent stand we are compelled to take neither aiming at originality of principle or sentiment, nor yet copied from any particular and previous writing, is intended to be an expression of the American mind and to give to that expression the proper tone and spirit called for by the occasion. All its authority rests then on the harmonizing sentiments of the day, whether expressed in conversation, in letters, printed essays, or in elementary books of public right as Aristotle, Cicero, Locke, Sidney, etc. The historical documents which you mention as in your possession ought all to be found, and I am persuaded you will find, to be corroborative of the facts and principles advanced in the Declaration. From where do these all-important ideas come? We wish to truly understand liberty, the civil society in America's founding, That is our birthright. This is me. We must examine further. And so what did I do in furtherance of this in rediscovering Americans? We took a much closer look at Aristotle, Cicero, Locke, and Sidney. The most influential philosopher during the Revolutionary Period was the indispensable English thinker, John Locke, who lived from 1633 to 1704, who in his The Second Treatise of Government, first published in 1689, inspired countless leading American colonists and founders, including the delegates who gathered at the Second Continental Convention. Indeed, having studied the philosophical origins of the American Revolution, Harvard University professor Bernard Bailyn, found that in pamphlet after pamphlet, the American writer cited John Locke on natural rights under the social and governmental contract. Now let me pause, but first a footnote. Judge Jackson is now Associate Justice Jackson. She was sworn in today. And in written questions, she was asked her view on natural law. And she said she does not take a position on it. It's in virtually all of the most important founding documents in our country. It comes from Aristotle, Cicero, John Locke, who was the most widely read philosopher in the revolutionary period. And she said she does not take a position on natural law. Why? Why? Because in order to embrace Marxism, Woodrow Wilson, among several other of the so-called leading intellectuals of the progressive movement, rejected Locke and rejected the first two paragraphs of the Declaration of Independence. The most appalling thing that was said during that hearing was not that she wouldn't define a woman or couldn't define a woman. It came afterwards in her written response that she took no position on natural law. It's right there in the Declaration and in all the Declarations of the States. Locke wrote that man is born with God-given inalienable rights, among them personal and individual liberty. He said the state of nature has a law of nature to govern it, which obliges everyone and reason, which is that law. Teaches all mankind, who will but consult it, that being all equal and independent, no one ought to harm another in life, health, liberty, or possessions. For men being all the workmen of one omnipotent and and, uh, infinitely wise Maker, all the servants of one sovereign, one sovereign Master, sent into the world by His order and about His business, they are His property, whose workmanship they are made to last during his, not one another's, pleasure. And being furnished with, like faculties, sharing all in one community of nature, there cannot be supposed any such subordination among us that may authorize us to destroy one another, as if we were made for one another's uses, as the inferior ranks of creatures are for ours. Everyone, as he is bound to preserve himself, and not to quit his station willfully, so by the like reason, when his own preservation comes not in competition, in other words, war, ought to be as much as he can preserve the rest of mankind. Locke said that there is a circle of freedom surrounding each person and all people at birth. And within that circle is the absolute human right to live and live freely. This is a natural right, born of natural law, or the law of nature. It is divine. It is eternal. It is unalterable by mankind. Man also has the ability to reason. And it is through reason that he discovers and discerns natural law, his natural rights, and their application to all humanity. And to keep it very simple, think of the golden rule. The golden rule applies across humanity. doesn't mean it's it's enforced doesn't mean it follows. Murder is a sin regardless of who does it. The Ten Commandments and what the Ten Commandments provide are God's laws to live by. That's natural law. Be right back.
1: Mark in.
0: To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Let's look at the terminology quickly at the beginning of the declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that is, knowable through reason. That all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with a certain unalienable rights. What is that? The divine law of nature obtains everywhere and applies to all. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the right to live freely and happily. There's not a word in the Declaration promoting slavery. Not one word. And as Abraham Lincoln said, the man who did more than any other human being in this country to right a wrong in this case slavery, and he gave his life for it as he was assassinated, he would cite the Declaration of Independence over and over and over again in defense of America's founding, in the defense of its framers and its founders, that these men who did struggle with slavery in Philadelphia twice The assembly that met over the Declaration of Independence and the assembly that met over the Constitution of the United States met in the same room, the Pennsylvania Assembly Room in Philadelphia. But they couldn't resolve it there and then. When they declared war, they couldn't afford to lose any colonies. And when they needed a Constitution, the country was going bankrupt and being threatened by world powers. And it was Lincoln who said, these men left it to their children and their grandchildren to fix this. And that, by God, is what we're going to do. If there was no United States, if there was no 1776, if there was no 1787, there would have been no Civil War, And slavery, perhaps, would have gone on much, much longer in what would be the separate territory or territories without the United States of America. I know of no other country that fought a civil war and almost destroyed itself in order to eliminate slavery. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here.
1: He's here. Now, broadcasting from the Underground Command Post
0: Nashville, Tennessee, the FBI is joining in on a Nashville attempted arson investigation. Metropolitan Nashville Police Department states the FBI is now helping specialized investigations division detectives and hazardous devices unit officers in the investigation of attempted arson of the Hope Clinic for Women on Hayes Street, a pro-life resource center. This is happening all over the country. This is happening all over the country. Now, knowing that it's happening all over the country, Joe Biden, overseas, in Spain, at a NATO news conference, Attacks the Supreme Court and attacks the holding in Dobbs. Cut one go.
2: America is back was your motto at the first NATO summit last year. And you've come to this summit here and the one in Germany after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned constitutional protections for abortion. After the shootings in Buffalo and Texas at a time of record inflation and as new polling this week shows that 85% of the U.S. public thinks the country is going in the wrong direction. How do you explain this to those people who feel the country is going in the wrong direction, including some of the leaders you've been meeting with this week who think that when you put all of this together, it amounts to an America that is going backwards?
0: All right, let, me, let me stop it here. First of all, I don't know who this reporter is, but that is a highly inappropriate <coughs> question on foreign soil highly inappropriate I don't care who the president is I don't care who the president is and that's how Joe Biden should have responded this is a highly inappropriate question I'm here in Spain dealing with NATO but that's not what he did go ahead they do not think that you haven't found one person one
2: world leader to say america's going backward america's better positioned to lead the world than we ever have been
0: he's have such this. a disgusting liar but go ahead i mean the world our inflation rates are lower than other nations in the world he's such a liar that's so untrue but it doesn't matter does it go ahead been destabilizing is the outrageous
2: behavior of the supreme court of the united states an overruling not only roe v
0: wade but essentially challenging the right to privacy all right we so not- let's stop there it's propaganda like this coming from him coming from aoc coming from nancy pelosi coming from schumer and coming from the american media among others that is essentially giving license to the violence. Now they'll deny it, but how can they deny it? This is essentially giving license to the violence. How can they condemn Donald Trump who has never said anything close to what these people say? When on the other hand, in living color right now, they're conducting themselves this way. So he takes the opportunity in a multifaceted question to trash the Supreme Court. That the Supreme Court is destabilizing, he would say. Destabilizing. Cut two, go. The first and foremost thing we should do is make it clear how outrageous
2: this decision was and how much it impacts not just on a woman's right to choose, which is a critical, critical piece, but on privacy generally.
0: Let's stop again. I had a woman come up to me today, who I know. She works very hard, not college educated, doesn't matter, but has street smarts. And she says to me today, I'm concerned the Supreme Court's going to take away our privacy rights. Where'd she hear that from? Biden and Pelosi. Now, on my printout of the decision on page 71, the court specifically says they're not going to do that. The court specifically says we're not even addressing privacy rights. We're not addressing same sex marriage, interracial marriage. We're not addressing contraceptives. We're not addressing any of it. And yet, Biden, the media, and the other Democrats insist on saying this. They insist on it. And he does it again, right here. So when you're dealing with people who are unhinged and you are intentionally lying to them, you're intentionally pouring fuel on the fire of people who are poised to be angry, you are igniting that fire. When you lie through your teeth about what the court did and said, when you lie through your teeth knowing that there have been over 50 attacks, and in many cases, violent attacks on churches, on pregnancy centers, and on pro-life think tanks. And nobody will pull the line back between Biden and what's taking place here, nobody. They'll accuse Trump of leading an attack on the Capitol building despite the contrary evidence that shows the opposite. But when it comes to Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, what he said about two of these justices, no accountability whatsoever, none. They are inflaming, inflaming these unhinged, obsessed people and their death cult. He goes on to say, That we need to change the filibuster rule so we can codify roe versus wade but they don't want to codify roe versus wade they want to codify their own radical extremist position that has nothing to do with roe versus wade they want unlimited late term one second before birth abortion now we know this Because that's the bill that was proposed in the Senate by Schumer that every Democrat but one voted in favor of. It would blow out every single restriction placed by every single state, including some blue states. How did this Dobbs case get to the Supreme Court in the first place? Does anybody know? Because one of the abortion clinics at Mississippi opposed the Mississippi law that required with certain main major exceptions, the outlawing of abortion. Now everybody's running around and saying 15 weeks, 15 weeks. That's what the Mississippi law said, 15 weeks. Because by almost five months, we know that technology can keep that baby alive. The Democrats do not support Roe versus Wade. They support a federally funded absolute right to abortion at any time and object to any restrictions whatsoever. Period. Only six states in the United States do that. Only six states in the United States. Now, that may change. But the Democrats want to nationalize what these six states have done. And impose it on 44 other states. That's number one. People need to understand what the Democrats support. Number two, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled there is no federal right to abortion. Can you just change that with a law and say we will create one? Now, the lesser minded lawyers out there dressed up as legal analysts let turn to the interstate commerce clause the commerce clause the interstate commerce clause we're talking about abortion within a state's borders not beyond the state's borders that is a state can't legislate texas cannot legislate for oklahoma New York can't legislate for Connecticut. We're talking about abortions, or no abortions, or abortions with exceptions. Within state borders, it has nothing to do with interstate commerce. Nothing. They will fire back because of the limitations of their cranium, and they will say, yes, but that's actually been expanded under the Wickard case, and so forth. In other words... Even activities within a state can affect commerce. And there was a case about a farmer growing wheat who sold it within the state and also used it for his family's own consumption and the consumption of the animals on his farm. And the court brilliantly ruled that that affects interstate commerce. So that interstate commerce means anything. And that's how we got the massive regulatory state we have today. But did they just miss the Supreme Court ruling? It says there is no federal constitutional right to abortion. The court didn't say, wait a minute, it's right there in the interstate commerce clause. It's right there. No, they didn't. So you think they'd circle back and revisit the interstate commerce clause, Mr. Producer? It's ludicrous. It's stupid. It's idiotic. Congress does not have the power. Hello, you heard it here first. Congress does not have the power to quote-unquote codify Roe. So two points. They have no intention of codifying Roe. They want to codify infanticide. Hello, America! They want to codify infanticide, which is actually done in six states. They're in a very, very tiny majority. So the Republicans need to expose them. And their press, you know, like the Washington Examiner, National Review, the Wall Street Journal editorial page, need to start paying attention to this rather than trashing Trump. And they need to start asking the politicians out there, do you believe in any limits whatsoever on abortion? Stacey Abrams couldn't answer the question because Martha McCullum asked her and she wouldn't answer it. None of them will answer it, including Biden. None of them. And number two, where does Congress get the power to, quote-unquote, codify a federal abortion law and blow out every single state law? Didn't the court just rule that the states have the authority? And besides... You think the court will revisit this and use the Commerce Clause and say, oops, wait a minute, we missed the Commerce Clause. No, I don't think so. We're not talking about a bottle of ketchup here, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back. Mud, Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest. I was nervous at first, thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand... The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N-PODCAST and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Podcast. AOC is, how can I put this? A rash on the inner thigh of the body politic, Mr. Producer? Does that work? A scab on the back of our governmental system. What else? A hemorrhoid in our Constitution. And yet she's everywhere because she's so profound. She's so profoundly stupid. But the fact is they've created her. They've propped her up. And now she's like a puppet. She says the things the media want her to say. Here's an example. Cut three, go.
1: I believe that the president should come out in favor, uh, forcefully in favor of expanding the Supreme Court. I believe that that the president should forcefully come out in favor of abolishing the Senate filibuster. That's
0: because you're a commie. You hate the people who created this great republic. You hate the American people you hate our society you've contributed nothing to this country absolutely nothing you're a big mouth punk that's what you are you've done nothing for this country and if we did everything you demand that we do, we'd be well on our way to societal hell I'll be right back Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest. I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand the 5g service is that good switching to pure talk was that easy so listen don't sit on the fence any longer you're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies it's time to take the leap and start saving money every month go to puretalk.com select a plan then enter promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast and save 50 percent off your first month you can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now 877 381 3811. Liz Cheney will be on this week, Sunday on ABC they already taped her. Liz Cheney last night was at the Reagan Library. The Reagan Library has been taken over by hostile forces. The chairman of the Reagan Library is the CEO of the Washington Post. His name is Fred Ryan. Fred Ryan hates Donald Trump. In other words, Fred Ryan hates you. Many of us who served with and for Ronald Reagan and adore Ronald Reagan, need to know that the Reagan Library now has been taken over by a never-Trumper and a rhino. That's why he runs the Washington Post and runs the Reagan Library. His name is Fred Ryan. And as long as Fred Ryan is chairman, unfortunately, I will not be able to attend the Reagan Library. Liz Cheney was there yesterday. Using Ronald Reagan's name to attack Donald Trump. Liz Cheney is a serial liar. She's destroying our constitutional system while pretending to defend it. She's being used by Nancy Pelosi, the media, and the Democrats. To front for a committee. The likes of which America has never seen before. She's the plaything of Nancy Pelosi. And she sits there and gives speeches. And she knows full well through her leading questions that several of her leading questions were intended to provide lies to the American people. Like with Cassidy Hutchinson's questions about the limousine And Trump not just knowing, but wanting armed people at the protest and so forth and so on about her signed letter. The question for Liz Cheney is, has she been coaching witnesses? Has she been coordinating with their lawyers? That seems to me to be a big issue. Because that's what she accuses the Trump people of doing. I've never been more embarrassed Than to have that woman on my radio show in the past. And her father and her mother. Never. As this country's going to hell. As the Marxists, empowered by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. As our enemies, foreign and domestic, empowered by the incompetent buffoon who's in the Oval Office. The Cheney family, the Bush family, once at each other's throats, are now united in their war on the base of the Republican Party. In alliance with Fred Ryan at the Washington Post, Paul Ryan, who's on the Reagan board of directors. What a disgrace as somebody who campaigned for Reagan in 76, campaigned for Reagan in 80, served eight years in President Reagan's administration, somebody who went to the Reagan Library to launch my books maybe six or seven times, who had the biggest audiences, the biggest sellout in the Reagan Library, in the history of the Reagan Library, I will not be going there again. And this does really break my heart. That's where the Reagans are buried. That's where they're buried. It's really a shock. It's appalling. This guy, Fred Ryan, weaseled his way up to the top and into the Reagan family. He was an advanced man when he started. And he became chief of staff to President Reagan when he retired. And he weaseled himself onto the library board, weaseled himself into their private lives, weaseled himself into the Washington Post Corporation, weaseling himself all over the place. And look how he's destroying the Reagan Library. And look how his newspaper is destroying the country. Fred Ryan. You can Google his name, take a look. Pretty boy. So he embraces Lynn Cheney. Lynn Cheney at the Reagan Presidential Library, where they packed the audience with Cheney supporters, because Reaganites would never go. They would never go. She says, you cannot be loyal to Trump and to the Constitution. Who the hell does she think she is? Who the hell does she think she is? It's grotesque. Trump is a domestic threat. Trump is a domestic threat. This is why they don't have an opposition, exculpatory evidence, Contrary witnesses, challenges and motions, because she is free to blasphemy Trump, his supporters, other individuals, and to use Reagan's name while she does it. Her father never supported Reagan. Her father was a Bushy, and before that, her father was a Ford guy. The Cheneys were never Reaganites, Ever until it was a fait accompli that he would win the nomination in 1980 and 84 but before that no way any more than the Bushes were any more than McConnell was you see ladies and gentlemen Ronald Reagan was an outsider Ronald Reagan had to fight the Republican establishment Ronald Reagan had to fight the Bushes the Cheneys The Fords, in order to get the nomination. Then now they devour the Reagan Library. What next? They're going to rewrite his legacy? Rewrite his legacy? How disgusting. I look at most of the board members on the Reagan Library with a couple of exceptions and good exceptions. You know who most of them are, ladies and gentlemen? Big corporatists, Republican rhino corporatists, not all, but a majority. That's who's running the Reagan Library. Financial investors, whatever that means. who have no principles or commitment to anything Reagan stood for, period. Nothing. So he brings in Ryan and the library, Liz Cheney. They brought in Chris Christie. They brought in Ben Sass. None of these guys are Reaganites. They're all a joke. They bring in Democrats. Where are the Reaganites? Really quite disgusting. By the way, I see that this, uh, uh, what was his name, the former chief of staff t- to Trump, Mr. Mick, uh, what was his name? Mulvaney. All of a sudden, he's everywhere. Do you notice that, Mr. Beducer? He's trashing Trump, so he's on every TV show. Then I saw he's a contributor to CBS News. Is that right? It didn't take much, did it, Mulvaney? A few bucks, and you'll say whatever you need to say. No, I'm not saying he is, but isn't that kind of the definition of a grifter, Mr. Producer? I could be wrong, of course. And he's out there implying or even saying that Mark Meadows is having some kind of a mental breakdown. Really? This guy Mulvaney is another hemorrhoid on the body politic. Say that about Mark Meadows, you don't you don't have the the credibility to say anything to make a statement like that about somebody. What kind of a low life have you become? Apparently quite a big one. Now you know why I'm loved. All over Washington, D.C. I don't care. Christina, uh, Christiana Ampour on CNN. She compares overturning Roe to repressive regimes who have set back women's rights. She says, in effect, the Taliban are wondering why they should listen to the U.S., what we have to say about women's rights after the road decision. Ladies and gentlemen, these white, wealthy, narcissistic, socially approved, media and media like women who make these statements, who make these statements, are unbelievable unbelievable. All we have now in the media are sycophants talking to sycophants. Sycophants talking to sycophants. That's all we have. Self-appointed elitists talking to self-appointed elitists. Not the people in the street. Not a word about those people or from those people. Now, Christiana Ampore, if that is her name, Joe Biden, schmuck, AOC, I'll bite my tongue. They all know that any woman who wants an abortion gets an abortion. And here's the thing. AOCs in New York City. Mr. Bedusa, is there a problem getting an abortion in a, in New York City? Christina Ampour is in Washington, D.C. Is there a problem getting an abortion in Washington, D.C.? No, there's none. What are they whining about? Because people in other states don't believe in this. Moreover, once again, they're all over the media and they're not asked a single question about their real beliefs. Aborting a full-grown Ready to be delivered, baby. Christiana, is that okay by you? And I heard uh, Joy Behar said she's going to join, Mr. Producer, the the sex strike. Did you hear that? She thought it was a good idea. Well, look at her. I'm going to have a sex strike. When you watch The View, you want to throw up. I'll be right back. love in. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest. I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. You know, the left is truly sick. They're great Supreme Court justice, Justice Jackson now. She couldn't define a woman because she's not a biologist, but now all of them are running around talking about women's rights. Then they say an abortion is about reproductive rights. It's not about reproducing anything. It's about the opposite. Just watch their language. Now there's this effort that women are going to withhold sex from men. So all of a sudden we're binary again very confusing shouldn't they be using pronouns but just to underscore my last point prior to the sponsor break if we had a poster of Joy Behar in every bedroom every couple's bedroom you wouldn't have to go on strike people will be so sickened that nothing would happen They'd be watching uh, reruns of the uh, Morning schmo Show. Nothing would happen. Joy is the face, the poster face person for everybody striking and not having sex. Wouldn't you say, Mr. Producer? Oy, Volt. I would argue. What am I doing? Oh, oh, yeah. I think I've come up with a good idea on how to reduce abortions by reducing pregnancies the old-fashioned way. Don't have sex. And the best way not to have sex is to have a poster of Joy Behar in your bedroom. It'll be the last thing, especially for men that they'd be thinking of. The last thing. It's like a sci-fi, a sci-fi scary movie hanging on your wall. I'll be right back. Do you want to keep your home in its best condition while protecting your budget? Well, of course you do. With a home service plan from American Home Shield, you can do exactly that. They will cover the cost to repair or replace things you depend on every single day. Expensive things like your kitchen appliances, A.C., refrigerator, and water heater. No inspections or maintenance records are required, and they'll never deny coverage because of the age of your items. Wow. Choose from the three flexible plans along with several add-on options like roof leak repair coverage and electronics coverage for items like laptops, gaming systems, and flat-screen TVs. This is absolutely fantastic. Their comprehensive plans help make sure you're prepared for your next unplanned breakdown. It's the kind of convenience and peace of mind everyone could use right now. So, folks, join today. And as a listener of my show, you can save $50 on any plan. Just go to ahs.com slash a slash levin That's fifty dollars off at ahs.com/levin. Service fees, limitations, and exclusions apply. You can see the plan for details, but I'm telling you, this is a fantastic offer. He's here.
1: He's here. He's here.
0: The Russian military is committing so many abuses, it, it, it's even impossible to catalog. I have a piece here, I can't even read it to you, about the mass rape that's taking place in Ukraine. How come it's not discussed by the putinoids and their hemorrhoids in the media? or in the Republican Party, or in the Democrat Party. They targeted, with a long-distance missile, a mall with a thousand people in it. There are tens of thousands of Ukrainians who have been forcibly moved out of Ukraine and into Russia. In the past, Russia has used people like that at slave labor camps. including tens of thousands of children. And this bizarre alliance, unintended but nonetheless reality, between the Putinoids and their hemorrhoids and Joe Biden and his hemorrhoids, That the, the bizarre combination is just repudiating. It's repulsive. Joe Biden blames gas price increases on Putin. It doesn't matter what evidence is available to show you it's not because of Putin. I mean, we used to import about 5% of Putin's oil. Big deal. But we became energy independent. And so Biden says as long as the war is going on with Russia and Ukraine, the price of gas will be high. No, as long as he has his foot on the throat of the oil industry, the price will be high. The oil industry is saying that it's Biden's policies, the policies of his commie radicals at the EPA, at the Interior Department, at the Energy Department, and everywhere else, that is preventing them from doing what they need to do, expanding. Expanding refineries, expanding drilling locations. And so the Putinoids, the Putinoids then say, effectively, it's Ukraine's fault. So Biden's blaming Putin, and the Putinoids are blaming the Ukrainians. Why are we upping them? Why are we giving them money? Why are we supporting? Because they're under attack. They're an ally. They're being destroyed, morons. And on top of that, Putin has said, he has said in writing last year, Intends to go through Ukraine and then what? Eastern Europe. The rest of Eastern Europe. Good chunk of it anyway. Duh. And of course, there's China in alliance with Russia. But, you know, if you want to be stupid, you'll be stupid. The reason why gasoline prices are high is because this administration, the federal government, has unleashed a war against the oil industry. Like any other kind of war, they're crippling it. And they're unleashing this war really against you. You're the ones in the end who have to pay these prices. They want you to change your quote-unquote habits, they call it. Your habit, you know, driving to work, working, earning money, and feeding your family. Apparently that's a bad habit. Like a drug habit. Simultaneous with this, the Biden administration is at war with the suburbs. It wants to eliminate single-family housing. Because as everybody has known from day one, single-family housing is not just implicitly, but explicitly racist. You want to live in a single-family home because you hate other people. So that is in his next budget Billions and billions of dollars to destroy local zoning, single family ho- uh, housing. What's with the war on automobiles? They want you to take public transportation. How do we know? That's what they have in their budget. Get rid of your cars, get rid of your single family home. You don't need these things to survive. The Marxists are on the march. That's what's going on. Now, the people of Ukraine are suffering. What is with these putinoids and their hemorrhoids attacking them? It's like we have Tokyo roses all over the place. Who is she? Google it. Duck, duck it. Bing it. You'll figure it out. Mouthpieces for our enemy. For our enemy, yes, Russia is an enemy. People who threaten us with nuclear war—I would say they're our enemy, wouldn't you, Mister Producer? I don't know we misunderstand him. We don't misunderstand anything. Terrible. Now the anti-Semitism in the Democrat Party is really uh, spreading, and the. And the secular Jews, and I say this as a Jew, who vote Democrat are empowering this, whether they want to hear me say it or not. Whether they want to hear me say it or not. This is from the Free Beacon, Adam Credo. The Biden administration's nominee to serve as U.S. ambassador to Brazil spoke at length about the influence of Jewish money in politics claiming the Jewish lobby exerts undue influence over the Democratic Party and its major money. Where's the Anti-Defamation League? Where is it? Where are they? Where are all these groups? I hear from uh, ZOA, more Klein. I don't hear from anybody else. Where are all the groups? Elizabeth Frawley Bagley a longtime diplomat and Democratic Party insider, is scheduled today to have her nomination advanced to the full Senate by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. But her comments about Jewish money, who else has talked about that? Omar and Talib and ayah But they love Ayach, Even though she's an anti-Semite and a bigot, they love her. They bring her on these TV shows. They bring her on the Stephen Colbert show. I've always had questions about this guy. There's something about him, Mr. Producer. Every now and then, do you notice? All of a sudden, he speaks in German. Have you ever heard that, Mr. Producer? Let's continue. But Bagley's comments about Jewish money and politics... Tropes long considered anti-Semitic are raising red flags among Democratic and Republican members of the committee. But the question is, who would nominate somebody like this, ladies and gentlemen? Bagley, in a 1998 interview, full copy of which was obtained by the Free Beacon, bemoaned quote the influence of the Jewish lobby because there's a major money involved, major money involved, She went on to claim the Democrats always tend to go with the Jewish constituency on Israel and say stupid things like moving the capital to Jerusalem always comes up. Support for these Israel related issues are due to the Jewish factor. It's money. And the interview was conducted by a historian at the Association for Diplomatic Studies and Training for an oral history project. Oral. Or like anal. Senate sources involved in the confirmation process said Bagley's comments should disqualify her from the ambassador's role. Why was she nominated by the Biden administration, America? Why? Then there's this candidate for Colorado State House, African American Democrat, criticized for old anti Semitic tweets. It's incumbent upon all members of the Jewish community and Colorado citizens to say no to this apostle of hatred, they say. Uh, Yes, her tweets, some of which invoked anti-Semitic tropes about Jews and money. Jews and money, Jews and money. She's definitely qualified, has a resume to have a primetime show on uh, MSNBC. There's no doubt about that. But you see this anti-Semitism, this Jew hate in the Democrat Party and in the Biden administration we see more and more african-americans moving away from the democrat party we see a whole lot of hispanics moving away from the democrat party what about the secular jews and the secular catholics and so forth why are they so thoroughly enmeshed in the democrat party when the democrat party hates their guts i'll be right back Let's just be honest. One of the best hosts on TV, highest rated host on Fox on the weekends is Maria Bartiroma. Maria Bartiroma, how are you?
2: Hello, Mark. Thanks very much for having me.
0: Well, it's a great pleasure. And uh, I want to talk about our economy and this EPA decision. Who better? And so, uh, Maria Bartiroma, my question is this. Why does he keep blaming Biden, keep blaming uh, Putin for oil prices, for inflation and so forth? Why doesn't he take credit for what he's done to our economy?
2: Well, look, I I don't know that he really knows what's going on. I do Mm -hmm. think that he continues to try to sell this spin, that it's all Putin's fault. And we know that when uh, Joe Biden walked into the Oval Office, the consumer price index was at 1.4%. And it moved up steadily over 2021 as he signed into law the uh, COVID relief package. The Democrats pushed through the $5 trillion spending, Build Back Better package, and then it signed in infrastructure package, another $1 trillion, You know, um, announced the forgiveness of student loan debt. I mean, all, all this stuff um, created an enormous amount of stimulus on top of the Federal Reserve's easy money policy. And Mark, the truth is, it's just been bad management and bad decisions. Um, And now I believe we are in fact in a recession. Um, You know, clearly we are seeing a contraction in the first quarter and we have to wait to see what we see in the second quarter, but it certainly, you know, feels like a recession and um, prices now at 40 year highs going into the, you know, July 4th holiday, talking about one of the most expensive holidays We've seen in decades and the worst first half of the year for the stock market since 1970.
0: You know, what? you're like the rain lady when it comes to knowledge, when it comes to people can ask you anything like, what about this company or what about uh, Wall Street in this date? And what about how do you remember all this stuff?
2: Well, look, I I mean, I'm just talking about sentiment. And, you know, I think the sentiment that we see is very reflective of America really frustrated and disappointed uh, in Joe Biden and this um, radical energy, you know, clean climate agenda, whatever it's called, build back better agenda, which is costing companies so much money and we are about to go into the second quarter earnings season. Unfortunately, I would say to you that the stock market investors are not ex- are expecting way too much um, you know in terms of earnings and we're probably going into a very volatile period where we're going to see more declines in the market um, because uh, companies are going to come out in their second quarter reports and they're going to tell us really pretty much negative guidance for the rest of the year. Um, I, how do I remember it? I, look, I, I'm just looking, you know, I'm looking at it every day we day. we're having a great time every day on my morning show, Mornings with Maria on Fox Business, three hours of talking about, you know, the economy and policy and politics. And it, it's interesting because the whole time you look at this performance and you look at this dreadful impact on the American people and it's all policy. It's uh, on day one, he walked into the Oval Office and canceled the XL pipeline. Then he canceled all drilling on federal land. These these things have an impact. That's why we're talking about oil prices and gasoline prices where they are. But they do not want to admit it. And even more dangerous and worrisome is the fact that they won't even acknowledge it. When you know you have to acknowledge you have a problem, they won't acknowledge it and, and pivot. They're right now, as we speak, trying to push through more spending and get Joe Manchin on board for a reconciliation package that includes $1.5 trillion in new taxes.
0: Jeez. You know, Maria, here's the problem. We can't win every election. You know, we're hoping November is a big win and the one after that, and so we can't win every election. The politics has changed a lot in that the Democrat Party, in my view, now wants to really uh, take a bazooka to our constitutional system, to our economic system, to our classrooms, they're not they're not happy with just winning and, and, uh, and duking it out within the constitutional box. They want to burn down the box. Do you get that sense, too?
2: Well, see, that's why your last book was so important. And, and I raised this with you when you came on my show the other day. I, I mean, Mark, you are so spot on about this Marxist thread running through our country, our economy, our population. But I take it a step further and say it's not just the Democrats. It's the Chinese Communist Party. The question is, are the Democrats understanding the threat enough to, or are they also getting paid off? In, in some way, I don't know. I mean, we know Eric Swalwell sleeping with, you know, Miss Fang Fang. We know, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we know other, you know, uh, situations where there have been compromises, right? I mean, you know, here we have Joe Biden and the influence peddling of Hunter Biden. That's in plain sight, isn't it, Adam Schiff? And so, you know, I mean, that's really what I worry about, are they—because— mm-hmm. I got to tell you, I mean, and 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 I really, your show resonates with me so much because. Thank you. I feel the same. My my grandparents came to this country in 1906. My grandfather Carmen Bartiromo, had twelve dollars in his pocket. He, after serving in World War One, came to Brooklyn, settled in Brooklyn, built a restaurant named it the Rex Manor after the ship the Rex that transports Italians to 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 America, and gave me my first job. I was the co check girl. I have an incredible, you know, love and respect for this country, and when I see the kind of corruption, and when I see the kind of compromising situations that we talk about, it makes me sick.
0: Hmm. Now, also, you look at these corporations. You know, there was a time when most corporations were quite patriotic, but now they're doing enormous amount of business for communist China, despite the fact that they know they have these concentration camps and the slave labor, and same with American sports and so forth. I just don't think most American corporations would have tolerated that in the 30s and 40s. Can you stay after the break and and answer that for me? What's happened to American corporations? Okay. All right, Maria. We'll be right back with Maria Bartiroma. She's fantastic. See you in a minute. In one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape. And Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L E V I N. Now that's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using code Levin at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code L E V I N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit fastgrowingtrees.com for details.
1: Luke Levin, America's Paul Revere.
0: Call him now at 877 381 3811. Well, it beats America's Paul Pelosi. Uh, Maria Bartiromo, she doesn't really need any introduction. People in this audience know who you are, Maria. And uh, my question to you is, these companies, I mean, you look at Apple. I mean, the the head of Apple gave some slobbering speech over there virtually the other day. Uh, These basketball players who are supposed to be tough, them too, and on and on and on. They know what China is up to. And yet they'd rather take shots at our own country. And these companies are, I think they're very unpatriotic. What do you think?
2: Well, look, I think that this wokeism is um, creating a real division and pushback from their customers in many corners. However, you look. These companies are looking across the world for more customers, and they see 1.3 billion people, person population potential, um, and they figured that they could, you know, uh, create more business. But what they're missing is something that I know that John Ratcliffe said to you, and he has said to me as well, and that is the CCP strategy is very simple, and this is what it is: rob, replicate, replace that's it it's rob replicate replace and all of these companies that are operating in china what they're seeing right now is the ccp creating an exact uh duplicate of their company their brand the way they do it and they've learned everything and the ccp has stolen intellectual property and stolen the secrets of how to do it so much so that they will be eventually replacing those companies. In the meantime, they are keeping those companies to educate and uh, create and, and, and share their expertise. I mean, what you really need here is leadership. You need leadership in government to say, this is an adversary, not the way Joe Biden calls China a, cha- a, a competitor, a challenging competitor. No, 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 it's an adversary. They have stated very clearly that they want to take take the United States over as the number one superpower. They've been stealing intellectual property now for decades. Under the Trump administration, there was a string of indictments. Everybody from, you know, the professor at, at Harvard, the chemistry professor at Harvard, to you know, officials at embassies, the, the, the Houston embassy, the San Francisco embassy. I wrote an entire book about it, the cost. Mm. Where I uh, detail a woman from Motorola, an employee from Motorola. She was caught at the airport. Uh, her pockets were full of thumb drives, and and what, what what was happening was they they created a shell company down the block from Motorola, uh, in Illinois, and they were duplicating. They were trying to steal the company's technology which was the walkie talkie flip phone which or in the early days when this was happening it was very very important and highly valued technology that the government was using um for defense you know for defense military purposes and anyway the point is is this has been going on for a long time and you know when the u.s first tried to open up and partner with china and think well okay we can have free trade we can have fair trade that was a long time ago. And that was, unfortunately, it did not materialize because what the CCP did is look more inward and become more nationalistic and not, and, and was not a good uh, actor on the global stage and did not follow any roles on the global stage and instead stole intellectual property, not to I not mean, even mention the human rights abuses, but the, these are the things that are happening to corporate America. And instead of recognizing this, um, you know, they, many companies are, are digging in. You're right. Um, because they, they want the business.
0: And really, um, you know, people talk about we need to produce more here at home because they have all this power over us. The communist Chinese, uh, when it comes to certain drugs, when it comes to certain elements, I mean, they're in over there in the Congo grabbing stuff too. And, uh, all over the world and so forth i mean at this point i think you're either with us or against us if you're an american company because i feel you don't have to agree with me i feel the the communist chinese regime is preparing for war now whether there's a war or not you know i think there's going to be and not because of us but they're preparing for war they're going to invade taiwan they're threatening japan for crying out loud and the philippines and vietnam they're on. They, they've taken over a or uh, trying to take over a, an area of the Solomon Islands, which is in our our neck of the woods, uh, Western Africa. They're all over Central and South America. I mean, they're 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 building hypersonic missiles. That's not for Taiwan. That's for us. They're building the biggest Navy on the face of the earth. That's not for Japan. That's for us. And I don't feel like we're really uh, we're really engaged here. Do you? No,
2: we're not because Joe Biden is compromised. Unfortunately, we have to question his decision making. Uh, decision making, given the tens of millions of dollars that we know Hunter ha- has taken in, um, the laptop is there. We, you know, we we know what has taken place here, and unfortunately, what I've seen is a very soft on China policy. Um, he calls them a competitor, not an adversary. And another thing. know we're talking about leadership here you need to set the tone at the top for everyone else to follow but right now you've got the federal thrift fund i mentioned this the other day the federal thrift fund is Mm -hmm. pretty much the 401k for government employees past and present and that includes military and can you imagine in june the federal thrift fund and and these funds are managed by you know the big uh like BlackRock, you know um and they have a window that is opening that the fund is able to invest in Chinese in Chinese companies, and and some of these companies may very well be sanctioned already. And these are the companies that are tied to the military that will, in fact, over time, turn around and 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 point the guns at America. This, these are the companies that potentially military men and women, past and present, are actually helping to fund their expansion. I mean, get your head around that. And, 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 and mm-hmm. if we had leadership on this issue, somebody should come out and say, no, 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 no. We're not going to have our military men and women fund the expansion of mm. Chinese companies tied to the CCP as they prepare for war, potentially against America. It's, it's outrageous.
0: Well, Maria, I want to thank you for your patriotism, your programs, your guts, Uh, We love you here. The audience loves you. That's quite obvious. And keep up the great work. And in addition to Sunday Morning Futures, you're on the Fox Business Channel every morning. And God bless you.
2: Mark, I love you, and I am so grateful for you. Thanks so much for all that you do.
0: Well, same there. God bless. Take care. All right. Hillsdale. The Federalist. Molly Hemingway, the great Molly Hemingway. Now, listen to this. When President Biden ordered all 600 federal agencies to, quote, expand citizens' opportunities to register to vote and to obtain information about and participate in the electoral process, unquote, on March 7, 2021, Now you know, it's like right after he took office, Republican politicians, constitutional scholars, election integrity specialists began to worry exactly what was up with with this proclamation. Well, they had good reason. The 2020 election, she writes, had suffered from widespread and coordinated efforts by Democrat activists and donors to run get out the vote operations from inside state and local government election offices, predominantly in the Democrat leaning areas of swing states. Remember Remember Zuckerberg? Independent researchers have shown the effect of this takeover of government election offices, and it was extremely partisan and favored Democrats overwhelmingly. At the time the order was issued, Democrats were also hoping to pass H.R. 1, a continuation of the effort to destabilize elections throughout the country via federalized takeover of state election administrations. Biden gave each agency 200 days to file their plans for approval by none other than Susan Rice, his hyper <coughs> his hyperpartisan domestic policy advisor. But fully nine months after those plans were due, they're all being hidden from the public, even as evidence is emerging that the election operation is in full swing. There are several major problems with Biden's secret plan. It's unethical to tie federal benefits to election activity. It's unconstitutional to have the federal government take authority that belongs to the states in which Congress has not granted. And given that all 50 states have different laws and processes governing the administration of elections, it's a recipe for chaos, confusion, and fraud at a time when election security concerns are particularly fraught. Mobilizing voters is always... (laughs) Excuse me, I have cholera. Mobilizing voters is always a political act. Not really. Choosing which groups to target for get-out-the-vote efforts is one of the most important activities done by political campaigns. Now, this goes on. Now, there are organizations who are trying to get copies through the Freedom of Information Act of these plans that had to be submitted in 200 days. Of these plans that had to be submitted, where the federal government's getting out the vote, she's concerned and rightly so, as are others, that they won't release the plans. Biden put former Damos president Damos is a left wing Democrat operation, K. Sable Rah- Rahman Rahman, and former Damos legal strategies director. Shirag Baines in key White House posts to oversee election-related initiatives. What the hell? You got people in the White House on the federal dime overseeing federal agency involvement in getting out the vote? Where's the U.S. attorney and in- what? Where are you, Mr. Graves, you jerk? That's right. Rachman serves as senior counsel at the White House office that oversees regulatory changes, meaning he approves every federal agency's regulations and provides legal review of executive orders before they're released. If you were looking to rush out constitutionally and ethically questionable orders, she writes, this post would be key to fill. Baines had been deimos's director of legal strategies, helping write the paper that was turned into an executive order. He reports directly to Susan Rice. Have you noticed we never hear from or see Susan Rice? And yet, I'm sure her DNA's on everything. She served in political positions in Democrat White Houses, scandal-ridden Brookings Institute. Brookings. She played a role in the spying on Trump scandal, blatantly lying about the same. Right, Smiley Hemingway, lying about the Benghazi terrorist attack, lying about Bo Bergdahl's military record. She was Obama's right-hand woman. May I say, woman? I think I will. Right-hand birthing person. Now, that would be his wife, right? Uh, may I say wife? That's also confusing. She was his national security advisor at the same time Hunter Biden was hitching rides on the official White House aircraft to other countries. And you know the rest. And left-wing groups know exactly what's going on. Conservatives may be in the dark, but left-wing activist groups are fully involved in this plot. Left-wing dark money group Deimos put out press releases immediately after the executive order was issued, saying it would be happy to work with federal agencies on the project. And then the group admitted publicly that it, quote, organized agency-based working groups and met with the staff in these agencies to provide technical expertise as they developed their initial voter registration plans to ensure those plans reflect the knowledge and priorities of various agency stakeholders. It also admits it developed research and research. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, The federal government's involved in our next election, colluding with left-wing dark-money operations, in likely violation of the Hatch Act, right out of the White House. Right out of the White House. Liz Cheney, Dizzy Liz, unhinged Adam Kingsinger. You paying attention? Nobody gives a damn. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. I meant to mention Lee Zeldin, congratulations. The Republican nominee for uh, Governor of New York. Good Lord, I hope he gets that slot. I'll turn this whole state around in New York. Mr. Bedusa, can I squeeze a caller in here or not? Milos, New York City, the great WABC. Go right ahead, please.
1: Hello, Mark. Thank you for the book Marxism you sent me last year. Uh I wish that some people who make decisions about the third trimester abortions have experience as me. Back in communist Czechoslovakia, 1979, more than 40 years ago, my pregnant wife fell off the, fell off the stairs and gave birth to my firstborn child in the middle of seventh month of pregnancy. My daughter was not even four pounds, uh, four pounds. It was tiny, she was developed, she had hair, blue eyes, and nails, but she fit in two palms of my hands, a little tiny human being. I'm still getting emotion just to talk about it. I yes. cannot imagine that anybody, That's anybody... Would imagine
0: talk- the last second of birth, when the baby's fully developed. And you're exactly right, and this is where the Democrats stand. They stand on the wrong side of humanity, and we ought to make them look at it in the mirror thank you my friend god bless we salute our armed forces police officers firefighters emergency personnel truckers our ukrainian brothers and sisters and you folks god bless each and every one of you i'll see you tomorrow